hear me all right? Oh, now yeah. Now you oh, yeah, I can hear myself. Which is a good thing. Well, you need to pray for me. Thank you very much, Chris. And uh, I did a great job again for all those notices. As a speaker, when you hear there's lots of notices, you kind of go, oh, no. But um, if we can get the first slide up, as Chris has mentioned, um, I'm starting off this series of this idea of encountering God, encountering Jesus uh, through his names. And uh, we're nearly near Christmas. <laughs> You'd see different reactions. It's kind of like with me as a parent, I'm kind of excited, but actually we've got a lot of stuff to do before Christmas. But as a kind of church community, we want to begin to just to uh, kind of prepare ourselves, prepare ourselves for Jesus, for meeting Jesus, for encountering Jesus. And um, the way we're going to do it is by looking at some of the different names that Jesus is called or referred to in the stories that we find in what we kind of call the nativity stories. So I'll be looking at the stories of kind of Joseph and Mary, and in the coming weeks we'll be looking at other stories that you might be familiar with, like the wise man and the shepherds. And this is all to do with just meeting God, because it's so easy just to kind of rush into Christmas, rush out of Christmas, and forget what it's all about. And we want to create the time and space where we engage and we encounter God. So let's even just start now by just preparing our hearts. You know, you can listen to all those notices and information, but let's just still ourselves. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you got like a, a, a meeting and maybe a kind of formal, important meeting and um, maybe it's just me, sometimes I come downstairs and my wife goes, oh, you can't wear that. <laughs> uh, I get it less so. I've been married now 24 years, so I've kind of learnt a little bit like why, uh, what I can get away with, like no trainers. And, um, you know, but the children were always having this conversation, you can't go. And it's like, why can't we go? And it's like, because this is an important event, this is a formal event, you can't go with jeans that are torn. And, uh, and a shirt that's kind of looks like it's still got, yes, you know, yesterday's lunch on it. And I just wanted to start this morning, this series, as we begin to talk about encountering God, let's just prepare ourselves. And let's just be still and just... I don't know about you, you might have a whole load of things going through your mind. I don't know what your week's been like, I don't know what your morning's been like, I don't know what you've got coming up this afternoon and into this week. But let's prepare ourselves to encounter God for his name. Let's just pause. And, uh, and this is what I do, I just, in the quietness, I just give those things over to God. And I just pray and ask God just to still my heart, still my mind. And I just say, yes, God. I'm just open to all that you want to say to me. Reveal yourself to me. So in all the stories that we're going to be looking at in Nativity, and if you're, hopefully you're roughly familiar with some of these stories, you find that God turns up in the lives of these ordinary people, and these people are never the same again. There's kind of like the life before, and there's the life afterwards. And in all these stories, God turns up and reveals himself. And a big part of his revealing himself is by revealing a name, a part of his nature, 
to us. And as Chris has mentioned and Joe has mentioned, we got these um, uh, Advent calendars, ga- candles. We keep calling them calendars. Advent candles uh, with the different names. And um, I wanted to start this morning by kind of just laying a, a kind of a foundation. I'm a great believer in kind of giving a context of why are we talking about this? You know, we might kind of think about we're talking about the nativities and the stories of Jesus' birth and the shepherds and wise men. Why? Because we're kind of coming up to Christmas. But why this focus on the names of God that we've been going to be doing this week and at least for the next two weeks? And so I kind of want to lay a kind of foundation. So you might be thinking, when are we going to get into the nativity? Well, that's because I want to lay a foundation first of why are we looking at the names of God? If we just have the second slide up. Well, maybe the first reason that we're going to be looking at some of the names of God, the names of Jesus, is because names seem to be really important to God. And we find again and again that when God turns up in the Bible and he encounters people, that he reveals an aspect of his name. You see this throughout the Bible. Yeah, I suddenly realize you're going to spend half your time reading all of those. And uh, so you get the story of Abraham turning up and... Um, God appears to him and he says, you know, I'm your God. And I'm going to call you out of this land. I'm going to take you to a land that you do not know. You see this in the story of uh, Moses. There's a story in a book called in Exodus and chapter 3 where Moses is kind of doing some shepherding, minding his own business. And then God appears to him in a burning bush. And one of the first things that God does is he reveals his name, I am. We see this story in um, Elijah, and again, if you're not familiar with the Bible, I can show you a little bit later on where some of these passages are, but just take it from me. There's a prophet called Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, where he has an experience of God where there's an earthquake, there's noise, but God doesn't meet him there. God meets him in a sheer silence. God reveals himself in a new way. I'm the God who speaks with sheer silence. There's a lovely, amazing story in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, where kind of God turns up and shows himself in his holiness for the first time. And in that place, God speaks a calling into the life of Isaiah. Whenever God seems to turn up in a new season, and I don't know about you, if you didn't, didn't listen to the talk that Nigel did last week, I'd really encourage you. It was a kind of stand-by-itself talk, but the, the main pastor, Nigel, was just kind of just sharing about where many of us may be feel we're at, a kind of season where we aren't exactly out of kind of the COVID season. We're not even sure what's going to be happening in the next month, let's couple of months. There's a lot of uncertainty, maybe anxiety, fear. We know it's not going to be the, the same again, but we don't know what it's going to be like. And those are the great situations where God historically seems to turn up when we're going into something new and he reveals a name of him. So why is a name so important? Names are important to us, and I think um, particularly in a kind of this culture that we're talking about, the, 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 kind of the story the Bible was written in, because names are crucial. Having worked 11 years in the Middle East, I know names are not just a, a label you give somebody to go, okay, you're this person, that distinguishes you from this person. A name encapsulates more than the face, it has a meaning. Names are more than just than giving you an identification. They actually reveal who a person is, what he or she is like. They are a kind of a manifestation of the character, the nature. 
It's like a window through which you can look through and discover what a person is like. So when God turns up and reveals a name, he's not just going, here's a label you can give me. In that name is an opening, a revelation of all that God is and what he can be in our life. Another way, looking at it, if you can just put up the next slide, there's a song that came out about a month ago. It's called A Thousand Names. And, um, yeah, it's up there. And um, one of the kind of authors, they asked him about names. And this is what he said. When you learn a name of God, it is because he has built a bridge to you. It's revealing. Revealing a part of his nature. He closes a gap. If you are a wanderer, you're going to meet him as a shepherd. If you're an orphan, you're going to meet him as a father. If you're stuck in sins that you cannot shake, you're going to meet him as a friend of sinners. He is going to come to your house. He's going to prepare a table and have a meal with you. You know, and so that's why he wrote a song that's just full of the names of God. It's this idea that every name is an opportunity to encounter him. That's what he means by having a table. It's like every name that you have is like an invitation. Saying, do you want to enter into the fullness of all that name means and what it looks like? And I will give some examples later on. So names are crucial. We're not going to go through here. We're not going to kind of burn all these names just so we can go, okay, that's interesting. Here's another title of God. Each one of those names on this candle, each of the names that we're going to be looking at during the Sunday service, is an invitation. And we have an opportunity to say, yes, I want to enter into all the truth, all that is encapsulated in that name. So some of the reasons and some of the outworkings of knowing God's name, if we can just put up the next slide, Becky. Oh, you want to go back one? Oh, one is missed. I wonder why that's not come up. Yeah, that's what I want. And um, this is why knowing the names of God is crucial. And I want to just stress, if you've ever heard me speak, I say this often. The word know in the Bible is the same word that's used right there in the Bible where it says, Adam knew Eve and she had children. It's not just kind of like a mental ascent, or I know this. It's not like a general knowledge, you know, at the end. You know, we're not going to do a test like, do you, can you remember all 25 names that were on that candle? It's to do with entering into the reality that bears forth fruit. You know that you know something when it begins to bear fruit. Just like when Adam knew Eve, it, relate, it came forth in fruit in children. And there's a whole load of reasons I could spend ages I'm not going to spend. I'm just going to share a few things of why knowing the names of God, why we're doing this series. Firstly, as it says there in John 8, verse 32, Jesus said, the truth shall set you free. And within the names of God, within the names of Jesus, there are truths that will set us free. As we encounter those truths, we will never be the same again. Every name of Jesus is an invitation to step into a greater place of freedom and transformation. Also, when we encounter the names of Jesus, one of the natural responses is just kind of praise and worship. I mean, I could have picked on a whole load of um, different um, psalms, but there's one there, Psalm 113, verses 1 to 3. Praise the Lord. Praise all servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. 
Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. How can we praise the name of the Lord if we don't know the name of the Lord? And why is the name of the Lord to be praised? No, we're not just praising the name because it's a label, because of what the name and, the la- and that kind of label encapsulates. So when we were singing like he's, he's savior and he's overall and he's mighty, it's more than a label, it's a declaration of truth that he is mighty, he's overall. And that is what we can give praise for. When we, we know that we are getting to know a name, is it me or am I getting quite loud? You can feel free to turn me down. Um, when we begin to step into an outworking of that is praise and worship. As we encounter the names of God, it brings hope and joy. He says, I will praise your name forever for what you have done. In your name, I will find hope for your name is good. Uh, this week, I've, I've probably been aware that I'm doing this series. I was just reading a, a passage in the New Testament where Jesus healed somebody. And, and this person said to Jesus, no, are you able? And Jesus said, yes, I am able. Increase. God increased this person's faith and he heals them. And I felt God say to me, you know, one of my names is, I am the God who's able. And as I kind of thought about that, as the God who's able, it began to release and increase hope and joy in my heart in some of the situations that I'm dealing with at the moment. And they kind of seem quite helpless and difficult. But when I encounter God as a God who is able, my natural response is hope and joy. We experience power. I didn't know um, David was going to sing the song this morning. You know, what a powerful name is the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. That he wants to unleash. It says there in Jeremiah 10, verse 6, No one is like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. And I think I put this up. There's an interesting verse here in David. Uh, If you again... Forgive me if you don't know the story, but there's this person called David in the Bible, and he takes on this guy called Goliath, who's just kind of big, overwhelming. And and David defeats him. And if I can ask you, how did David defeat Goliath? If I was doing like a Bible quiz, I think most of you, if you knew the passage, would say, he used a a sling and and it had a stone in it. But it's interesting here, he says, the victory says, David said to Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. He didn't say I come against you with a sling and a stone. There's a power in the name of God. And I think sometimes we underestimate that. Because as we begin to appreciate the names of God, as we begin to speak those truths into our situations, the God who provides the fancy name for that is Jehovah Jireh, into our situations where there seems to be lack, the God who heals in our situations where we need to see healing in our lives. And I could go on and on through some of the different names of God. As we begin to declare some of those truths, there is power begins to change things. Lastly, if you just look at uh, the next slide, six, and again, I could go on on different things, but there's, there's help and protection uh, in the name of God as we call out to him. And, uh, and there's a, some of you are old enough, and I'm not going to sing. If you, know, if you know me, you know you do not want me to sing. But there is a song, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. 
In some ways, it kind of is a little bit strange. How is the name of God, you know, powerful? How can you run to it and you're safe? It's because of the truth that it encapsulates. Um, if, you have, if you're new to this church and you don't know my background, you might be trying to figure out my accent. Uh, my accent is because I was born overseas, born in the Republic of uh, Colombia. And then Colombia is a, an earthquake country. So one of the things I, I learned as a child was when there's an earthquake, if you cannot get outside, there's two places you ran to. You ran to any door because all the door frames were made out of metal. Or the other place you'd go is often um, at least certain desks uh, would be made out of metal. And there you went. When things were shaking, that's where you ran to. And for me, I often think about that in the sense of the law being a strong tower. When things are shaking and things seem to be unstable, where do I run to? I run to the names of God and what they mean and what they symbolize. That is the name that you cry out for. Can you, when you're frailing away and you're, you feel like you're sinking, you call out to him who can save you. And so I, get, I could spend ages and ages, but hopefully beginning to get an idea. This is why we're looking at the names of God. It's not just an intellectual exercise, but it's an invitation to enter into the truths and all the implications I've talked about when we go into the name of God. So just to um, summarize, we could just put the next uh, slide up. Uh, I can't remember if I gave him his full name. C. Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, regarded a Baptist minister over 100 years ago, regarded as one of the greatest orators and preachers England's ever had. So I thought if he says it, that's okay. And he said, ignorance is worst when it amounts to ignorance of God, and knowledge is best when it exercises itself upon the names of God. The most excellent knowledge leads us to the most excellent grace of faith. Oh, to learn more of the attributes and the character of God. And that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be stepping in. We don't want to be ignorant of the truths, of the implications of the names of God. And lastly, before we get into the actual nativity story, I think, when are we ever going to get there? Ourselves laying the foundation. I wanted to say one other thing when we talk about the names of God. Because some of the names of God are found directly, like labeled in Scripture, like some of the, the verses here that you have on the candle. One of the things that we're going to encourage you uh, as a church, as you take those candles, is as you look at those verses, find out where they are in the Bible. And if that kind of fills you with fear, just Google it. Just put the name or put verse, and it will tell you where, you, where it actually is in the passage. But also, some of the names of God are kind of inferred, they're not there. This uh, last Friday, um, I was in a mosque uh, down in um, the Southampton area, and we were doing a Discovery Bible study there, and we were just talking about the names of God, and if you know anything about Muslims, they said, we have 99 names of God. How many names of God do you have? And I said, I don't know, actually, off my head, but I said, I got a list at home of at least 100 names, and I can give you a scriptural basis. But I said, there's also other names that are inferred. And they said, what do you mean? So I kind of just shared a, a couple of stories. Uh, and, and I kind of shared this because I want to expand your heart because God has got so many names. Just like he keeps revealing names, he keeps revealing even new, newer names to us as we press into his word. And so about two months ago, I was speaking in a, a church 
that kind of meets, uh, for better phrasing, kind of like a shop front. And, uh, and as I was speaking in this church, this lady kind of came in, because it's on the high street, and came in and um, stood at the back. And she stayed the whole time I, will, I was speaking. And through the ministry and, and through the kind of ending notices, and she came up to me at the end and said, you know, oh, thank you so much. Everything you shared really impacted me. She said, I was walking down the road and a force pulled me into this building. And, and I like to say something crazy and exciting happened. And I, I was really aware as a God moment. I was thinking, what do I do? I'm just being honest here. On the way home, I had loads of ideas of what I should do. <laughs> but I didn't know then. And I kind of was reflecting again. Oh, I blew it, God. And, uh, and God says, I wanted to reveal something to you. He says, I am the God who can pull people in. And, uh, and again, some of you might know some of my situation, but in some of, kind of my family, my wider family, I have certain members who are kind of walking away from God. They're not as close to God as they used to be. And, uh, and God was just saying to me, at any time that I want, I can pull them back into an environment like this. That released hope and kind of faith and expectation in my heart. Is that name in the Bible? No. But he's the God who can draw people in. Another example was, um, like I said, I've been reading the, the Gospels, and um, there's a story where Jesus uh, in Matthew heals a, a person who's got leprosy. And this person says to Jesus, are you willing? And Jesus said, you know, I am willing, and healed him. And God said to me, I am the God who's willing. And you might go, well, that's interesting. Um, but, you know, sometimes I think for me in that moment, and I think for some of us sometimes, we, we think of God as the God who's reluctant. You know, when we pray to God, we're thinking we're trying to convince him to do something. But God in that moment spoke to me and said, you know, I am the God who's willing you know, and I was sharing this with some of the, the, the people that do prayer in the church. How would our prayers be different if we approach God? Yeah, I know that's the right answer. If you'd said to me, you know, choose between God is willing and God is reluctant, I'd go, God is willing. Because I know that's the right answer. But I know sometimes as I come in my prayer times, maybe it's just me. I'm kind of looking around, but nobody seems to be reacting anyway. But I think sometimes we think of God as the reluctant one. The one we, you know, we try to persuade. God, if you're in a good mood and and I'm doing well, that you will say yes. God is a God who's willing. And so I wanted to sh throw that in as a, before we kind of jump into the actual passages, that some of the names of God are clearly written, but there's also other names of God that he's waiting, he's inviting us to enter into the reality and the outworking of those names. Mary and Joseph, we're there. It's <laughs> not the right answer, Chris. It's, um, so I'm going to read a couple of passages that are going to come up. So if you flick first up the, the passage from Matthew chapter 1, that will come up. And we'll read it straight from here. Hopefully I've got the same translation. The birth of Jesus Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together... She was found to be with child for the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is, in, is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to the son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now let's look at kind of Mary's side of the story. So if you look at it with the next uh, slide, so this is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Oh, I want to go back. There we go. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin place to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. And so as you kind of look at this passage, there's kind of various names that uh, you could look at that are directly mentioned. I was just actually just reading, I noticed for the first time a, a, a name that you could have there that's inferred to is the God for whom nothing is impossible. Uh, that's another example of an inferred name there. But there's two particular names. Like I said at the beginning, when God turns up and he gets into people's lives and he begins to call them into something new, again and again, like I said at the beginning, he begins to reveal a name, and attribute, that will help them through this season. In this case, both Joseph and Mary get the same names. As they, Joseph and Mary begin to step into their destinies, into their callings, he reveals this aspect, this attribute, these names of Jesus and Emmanuel. And, um, and this name Jesus means savior, it means deliverer. And this name Emmanuel means God with us. What amazing names. I mean, it's, if you read between the lines, it's, uh, it's interesting. Think about Mary. She's a single lady. The angel Gabriel's coming to her and saying, you are going to be pregnant. So in some ways, what he's saying is you're going to get pregnant. What that kind of probably means is you're, gonna, you, you're likely, as it stands, to get yourself killed. If you're not aware of the kind of the, the culture and the context of that time, and it's very similar in some ways sometimes to what the Middle East is still like, 
It was like the angel Gabriel was coming like with a death sentence. And yet at the same time, so Mary, that's probably going through Mary's mind. You know, we're going to look at it because we know the end of the story. But here it's like, you're going to be with child. And yet his name is going to be Jesus, which means deliverer, savior. I'm asking you to, I'm calling into something that could bring you death. But at the same time, I'm giving you this name, which means a deliverer or savior. And Mary had a moment there. What was she going to step into? Was she going to step into the, what, all the fear and all that she knew could happen? Or she was going to step into this opportunity of the God who is a savior, the deliverer? What name do we need to hear this morning? Do we need to hear that he is the Savior, the Deliverer. Are there situations in your life where you're thinking, God, deliver me from this? God, save me from this. And then this name, Emmanuel, God with us, is a name that comes up again and again in the Bible. Again, this is an interesting thing. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I can do another talk on it, but I'm not going to. But in all the callings that you find in the Old Testament, and then even in the New Testament, when Jesus sends his disciples... Very different callings. Every calling is different, but there's one consistent theme. In all of them, God says, I will be with you. There's a power in that. How many of us need to be reminded today that he is with us in the situations that we're in? This idea, we need to remember who God is, because it's easy to say, think somebody's with you. Like somebody says, I'm going to go with you to help you out in this situation. It's not just any person that's going with you. It's God Almighty the God who is Prince of Peace, the God who is full of joy. And again, I could go through some of the different names of Jesus, that he is with us. So the angel is saying, you know, Mary, I'm calling you into something that will have major implications on your life. At the worst, it might be death on paper, but for sure in that kind of society, there'll be the stigma and shame. And again, I think sometimes we, we don't appreciate, you know, I often say this in church when I talk about shame. In, in, in our society, we talk about sin. Sin's not a big issue for Muslims or that kind of context. Shame is. And he's saying, but I am going to be with you. When, when you get shamed, you get ostracized and you get pushed out. And it's like you're going to be by yourself. And God's saying, I'm going to be with you. Mary, I'm t- telling you about this. And it looks like you're going to get ostracized, and you could get ostracized, but I am going to be with you. These are the kind of things, these are the promises that she was going to have to hold on to to go through. The other thing about the names of God that it came to me, I, I can't give you a scriptural verse for this, but I felt like God say that God's names always have a redemptive component to them. That means that the names of God always have and outworking that will bless and impact and change our communities. And one of the things we want us to do, and, um, and one of the things we're going to be doing with the, the candles is, it's very easy for this candle to become a, just a very personal thing. And that's a, that, that, is a, that is an important thing to do. So as you kind of get this candle and you burn it and you look at the names of God, you kind of ask God, what are you saying to me through this name? And we're going to be doing a little bit of that later on in a minute. But every name of God also has an outworking that will impact our communities. So when God turns up and he says he's our savior, 
He's also saying, when I turn up, I am the savior for those around you, for your neighbors, your families, for those that you interact with, those you work with, those that you go to school with, those you go to university with. There's always a redemptive. When he turns up and he says, I'm the healer, the one that restores, that also means that any situation that we're in, that truth also is true and it's possible there. So whenever we encounter the name of God, we've got to be asking, what is the redemptive, the life-changing aspect of that name that he's wanting to show to us? So that's implication there yeah, for them, implication for God. Oh, just about that. And every name involves a response. We saw that in Luke just 1 at 38, where Mary said, I am willing. We see this in the passage I read about Joseph in Matthew 1, 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded. There's a response. Another response we see uh, in Luke chapter 2, just 19, where it talks about Mary treasuring these things and pondering in her heart. Every name that God gives us, we need to respond to. And so I've, I've kind of taught a lot of kind of ideas, but we're going to now going to put it into practice. We're not going to wait till you get your um, candle. So if, Judith, if you begin to just to make your way up, just going to need your mic as well, microphone, Chris. And um, as Judith was reminding me this, this morning, there's a little bit between what I read and what she's going to read. And... Um, after God had told Mary, uh, you know, you're going to have a child, Mary goes and visits uh, Elizabeth, her cousin, and, um, and Elizabeth is about to give birth uh, to what we know as John the Baptist. And then Mary comes out with a song. It's called Mary's Song. Sometimes it's called a Magnificat. And in this um, passage that Judith is going to read, is full of different names of God. And um, and asked Judith, just because she's got a way better and clearer voice than mine, because I don't want you to get distracted by it. And she's going to read it out twice. And it's not going to come up on the uh, overhead, because not you always start looking at that and get engaged. If you just put up the next set of questions, as she reads it, so just look, at, you, you can look up it at the moment. As she reads it, I'm going to encourage you just to kind of close your eyes and ask yourself, what name stands out to you? And that's the reason we're reading it twice, because if you read it the first time, your mind will be thinking, what's coming next? What's coming next? But you're going to still yourself and say, what name stands out to you? And then, you know, when Judith finishes reading, we're going to have a little bit of silence and just begin just to repeat that name to yourself. It's like digesting it. Letting that name go deep uh, into you. And then this slide's going to stay up, and you're going to be thinking about, what, what is that name? God's going to draw you to a name for a reason. And we want to mull over it. Is that going to make sense, what's going to happen? This is the time where you can react. Thank you. So I'm just going to pray, and then I'm just going to ask uh, Judith just to read this passage twice. God, I thank you that you are a God who speaks 
And I thank you that you are a God who reveals yourself again and again in different ways, but you reveal yourself through your names. And so I pray you just open our hearts, God, as Judith just reads this amazing song of Mary's, that you will draw our hearts to the names that you want to speak into our lives, into our situations. Amen. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Thank you, Judith. Just, just stay in that moment and just... Um hopefully like a direct name or like I said in that passage there are many in, you know um, other names kind of hidden in there like God the one who fills the hungry or the one who's mindful of your situation and just begin just to ask God what is he trying to say to you through that name
are the implications of it. And we've got plenty of time. Then just begin to think about what's your response to that name. Just like Joseph and Mary, they, they had to respond in some ways to that name. It's never meant to be an intellectual stimulation exercise. It's an invitation to an encounter through his name. I'm just going to um, invite David up and um, Chris up. And um, we want to give, just give some opportunity to enter into the fullness of this. And we're just going to have a time of ministry. Because some of those verses I, I really believe do have, God wants to do something in us. And maybe a bit like that story that I gave in the Bible. It's, God, I'm willing. I want to step into that truth. But God, help me and help me in my own belief. And, uh, and as, I think just four particular names and, um, that are just on my heart. The first of the two that we mentioned already about Jesus being the Savior and Deliverer, and I feel that may, there might be a few people here who just feel like they need that, that, that actual phrase, that kind of reality that you need in your situation. The other one is just knowing that God is with you. God is with you. The other name um, that I just feel like God is also just particularly highlighting for us as a church is he's the God who's mindful. I believe some people just feel like, you know, that they've just been forgotten. And one of the things about the whole kind of corona thing is just this idea of isolation, and God just wanted to say that he is mindful of you. He's mindful of your situation. You are not forgotten. He knows you by name and he calls you by name. You are not forgotten. And uh, this morning is a great opportunity to have somebody just to pray for you and just let that truth go deep 
into your heart. And the other one I, I felt like God said was, he's the one who fills the hungry. And I believe there's particularly some people here like, there's got to be more. And God says, I am the one who fills the hungry. Ask of me. And, uh, and again, this is an opportunity to step into those truths. So if some of those um, things I've just shared, I'll hand over to Chris uh, in a minute, just going to stand out to you. I'd encourage you just to come to the front. It'd be great also to have some other people in the church who are released to pray. And all we're doing is we're just saying, yes, and amen, God. Let that truth go deep down in their hearts because it's these truths that will bring change. One of the prayers I pray every time, particularly when I'm speaking, when I come, is that we, from myself and us as a church, with kind of my leadership responsibilities, God, may no one go away from this place the same as they came. And this is not an opportunity to, I can't fix that. But this is a moment when we can respond in such a way that we will go away changed. You cannot encounter the, the, the nature and the attributes of God and not go away changed. So if any of those ones I share, I'll just hand over to Chris if you've got anything else to add. But if you want to enter into that, even now, begin to come to the, the front. If some people who are in the church who are willing to pray for people to come, that'd be great as well.